I spend a lot of time waiting. I spend a lot of time in airports. I have to travel a lot with my job, and uh, recently I was eight hours in one airport. I think my record is 11 hours uh, sitting in an airport between flights. And so uh, it's interesting to, to sit in an airport and watch everyone wait and see what people do while they wait. Some people sleep, some people eat, uh, some people play on their phone. There's just loads of things going on while people wait. I'll confess to you, I'm not a good waiter. Not waiter like drinks and coffee, but like waiting. It's not my gift. Uh, I was reading an article recently uh, about things you will accomplish in the UK if you live to be 80, all right? So if, if you live in the UK, you've been here your whole life, so let's say you're born here in, uh, in England and you live to be 80 years old, here is what you will do in regards to waiting. Are you ready? If you've been here your whole life, it's estimated that by the time you turn 80, you will have spent 235 days queuing. 235 days queuing. To, to, to make that a little bit more real to you, that's 338,400 minutes. So the next time you're queuing and you're like, it'll just be one or two minutes, add that to 338,400. That is a lot of time queuing. So you're going to spend about seven or eight months of your life just standing in a queue, all right? Um, if you are a woman, it is estimated that by the time you turn 80, you will spend 136 days just getting ready. Now, I never said ready for what, by the way. You, you're, whatever you're getting ready for, uh, uh, you're just doing it. So, ladies, that's 195,840 minutes. You should look amazing. Amen. That's getting ready. That means that if you're married, your husband was waiting on you 136 days. Men, you will probably wait 195,840 minutes. Uh, to, be, to be fair, uh, the same study said that men who live to be 80, and this makes so much sense, will spend about 46 days getting ready. We're just... Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. That, I didn't go deep into the research. I'm being honest, right? And I didn't do the minutes because I don't think I've ever spent 46 days getting ready for myself. So we will spend a lot of time waiting in life. Yeah. And so as we come to the end of the letter to the church in Thessalonica, um, Paul is going to remind the people of what they need to do while they're waiting. So you can wait and do nothing or you can wait and do something it's always interesting because you'll always find those in the airport who do work while they wait. Maybe have their computers open, papers spread out, and, and they're doing something in the waiting. Now, just to remind us of the context, uh, Paul has written this letter to talk to the church about the second coming of Jesus. Remember what we've seen each time. The Old Testament said that he would come the first time, and he did, Christmas. And the New Testament says he will come again, and we believe he will. And yet, the Lord hasn't come yet. And so Paul is going to remind the church, and he's going to remind us, what do we need to do while we are waiting? All right? While we are waiting. And so uh, I want to invite you, the church Bible is page 1188. 
page 1188, and we're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're at the very end, verses 23 through 28. Verses 23 through 28. Remember, this is a letter, and so he's just kind of winding up the letter, and he's just going to remind them of some important things. So this is what Paul says in uh, chapter 5, beginning verse 23. Paul writes this. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Brothers and sisters, pray for us. Greet all God's people with a holy kiss. I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers and sisters. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is alive and true. And Lord, just for these next few moments, as we look at these verses, we just want to ask, Holy Spirit, that you would open our minds and give us understanding. We, we can't understand your word without your help, so would you do that for us? And Lord, as always, we want to pray, Holy Spirit, that you would soften our hearts, that we would be changed and transformed by your word to be more like Jesus. We pray in his holy name. Amen. We're going to spend just a few moments talking about what it means to be a waiting disciple. Now, uh, it's fair to say it's been a long time, right? Uh, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ have been waiting for over 2,000 years for Jesus to return. And sometimes when I think about that, I'm like, Lord, like, when are you coming? It's, it's been over 2,000 years. And then I'm reminded of what the Bible says in Peter. And we saw this earlier when we went through 1 Peter. Uh, the, the scripture says this, that to the Lord, one day is a thousand years. One day is a thousand years. That means when I look at my watch, Jesus has been gone for over 2,000 years. In heaven, he's only been gone two days. Are you with me? He's only been gone two days in, in heaven's time span, Right? And, and so, uh, yet we are here in our earthly bodies waiting on the Lord. So uh, what do we learn? Just four simple truths that we're going to see uh, this, uh, this morning. Number one, we see this, that as they await the return of Jesus, God calls his people to be holy. As they await the return of Jesus, which we all are, God calls you and I as people who know and love Jesus, he calls us to be holy. Look what he says here in verses 23 and 24. He says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. It's just a way of saying all of you, like from, from your head to your toe. God wants to sanctify you. May your whole spirit, soul, and body, there's nothing left of you. That, that's it. May it be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and then this is critical. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. This, this, is, this is what we learn. As, as followers of Jesus, as we await his return, we are called to be holy. Uh, essentially, it means this. As we await Jesus' second coming, he's called us to be like him. He's called us to be like him. Uh, the word Christian literally means little Christ. The word Christian means little Christ. And so when, we, it's, by the, when you think of it in those terms, it's a bold statement to say I'm a Christian. Isn't it? 
Like all of a sudden, it, 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 that, that, that word has weight. What I'm saying is, when I say I'm a Christian, I'm, I'm saying I'm a little Jesus, right? I'm, I'm a little example of him. And, and that is the goal. The goal is to be like him. But, but don't miss this. Just like there's nothing we could do to save ourselves, there's nothing we can do to sanctify ourselves, right? And, and so we, we think of three things. They're kind of big, fancy words, but they're just simple. We think of justification, sanctification, and glorification, so justification is when we place our, our trust in Jesus and we confess our sins and say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm lost without you. I believe you died and rose from the grave. Will you come into my life and save me? And the Bible says we are justified before the Lord. We become a child of God. Amen. Now, uh, here's the thing. It would be lovely if it worked this way, but it doesn't. God doesn't beam us to heaven when that happens, does it? No, I know he doesn't because you're still here. I'm still here, right? And so while we're here, we're being transformed, we're being made into the image of Jesus. And then one day we'll experience our glorification. That is when we're in heaven with him, right? And so justification is when we're set free from the penalty of sin, right? Uh, right now, sanctification is being set free from the power of sin. And one day, my glorification, I'll be set free from the presence of sin, right? And so this is sanctification. And can I just say what the world needs to see more than anything in the world in the church? It needs to see Jesus. It needs to see Jesus. And, and we are called to be salt and to be light. Jesus said that, that you wouldn't take a lamp and put a bowl over it, right? That, that a city on a hill cannot be hidden. The point of a lighthouse is it needs to be seen. It needs to be seen for the safety of the sailor. And he says that you and I are called to be salt and to be light. There's a weird thing happening right now in the West with the church on several issues. And it's almost like as the church, we've decided if we'll become dark like the world, then the world will respond to the gospel. And can I just say that is nowhere in here. It's quite the contrary. When I'm lost in darkness, I don't need more darkness. I need light. And we are called to be the light of the world. Now, here's the thing. Don't miss it. In and of ourselves, we have no light. And so that's why he says, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. There's an amazing village in Norway. I've, I think I've shown a picture of it before here on a Sunday. There's this amazing little village in Norway where the village is literally in a valley with these amazingly steep mountains on each side. And because of that, they literally receive no natural sunlight. And so they decided, how are we going to get sunlight into the village? And what they did was they built these massive mirrors on the side of the mountains. And the mirrors are movable. It's all done by computer. And the mirrors reflect the sun down into the valley. Now watch this. You and I are the mirrors and Jesus is the sun. And we are called to reflect his love, His justice, His goodness, His grace, His mercy. We don't have it in ourselves. We just need to reflect it to the world. Amen, church? Now, here's the problem. Sometimes my mirror gets dirty. Sometimes I get fingerprints on it. And that's on me, not on Jesus. And I need to say, Jesus, I need you to come and clean me. Uh, Andy led us a minute ago through 1 John, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Jesus will clean your mirror. And we can then reflect the light of Christ into Erdington, into Birmingham and beyond. 
All right? It's what we're called to be. And so uh, we're called to be holy, but we can't do it without the help of Jesus. And so as we pray, as we spend time in his word, as we uh, hold one another accountable, as we love one another, as we encourage one another, as we help one another in the church, we are to be like little examples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just what we do as we wait. Now that right there could give me about 2,000 years worth of work right there, right? Just waiting and trying to just abide in Christ. And John 15 says, right, the vine and the branches. And if I abide in him, I will bear much fruit, but without him, I can do nothing. So we just spend time abiding in Jesus. That's not a bad way to wait in a queue, is it? Just spending time with Jesus. That's what we're saying. As we're waiting for him to return physically, we spend time with him spiritually. Right? Pretty good. Uh, Secondly, we see this, that uh, as they await the return of Jesus, God calls his people to pray. As they await the return of Jesus, God calls his people to pray. And prayer is simply having a conversation with Jesus. Just we're, we're talking to him before he comes. We're talking to him before he comes. So, uh, so right now, um, all of our physical family, and I say our, Christy and I, uh, all of our physical family are 4,000 miles away, right? But, but praise the Lord, we have FaceTime, and we have Zoom, and we have you know, chat, we have all these things, and we can communicate, and we can talk to one another. Can I tell you, it's no substitute for when we're physically together. Uh, if, if you've been around our family, we're, we're huggers and criers, and then hug, and then cry, and laugh, and, and, uh, and, and, and we, we're catching up on FaceTime, and we're chatting, and we're, we're getting to speak to one another regularly, and it makes the time that we're together physically all the more sweeter. Now watch this. Uh, right now, Jesus is physically uh, not with us, but man, we can talk to him. We can fellowship with him. We can hear his voice. He speaks to us through his word. We fellowship with him. We fellowship with his people. And as we do that, as we spend time talking to Jesus, how much sweeter will it be when we meet him face to face? Amen. Can I just say it'll be a bit awkward. Have have you ever physically met someone that you've never spoke to before? Have you ever been to a family reunion and met that cousin that you only ever heard about but didn't know existed? It'd be a bit awkward, right? Man, how embarrassing would it be for me if when I do get to meet Jesus one day, we've never talked, right? But how beautiful will it be if when we embrace and we see each other face to face, I'm able to say, oh, Jesus, we were just speaking yesterday, weren't we? How amazing that is. And so don't think of prayer as a chore. Don't think of prayer as an obligation. Think of it as an opportunity to get to just hang out with Jesus and talk to him and hear his voice. And so as we wait, we are being made holy. As we wait, we spend time speaking to him and hearing his voice and getting to know him, the good shepherd, right? Uh, But then we see this in our text, that as they await the return of Jesus, God calls his people to love. As they await the return of Jesus, God calls his people to love. Look what he says in verse 26. Greet all God's people with a holy kiss. Greet all of God's people with a holy kiss. Now, Paul mentions this holy kiss several times in Scripture. And uh, what is it? What's going on there? Andy Coxpill's coming up now, and, um, and we're going we're to have a holy kiss. 
we practiced this before. And uh, we were practicing this in the little hallway right there. And Shysta walked in. And she had no context other than she walked in and saw me and Andy kissing. And literally, her glasses fogged up. It was that bad. So this is going to be the most awkward thing you've ever seen. But we're going to make it work. Are we ready? Let's do it over here. Don't do that to your mate in the co-op because it may not go as well, right? That's the holy kiss, right? And it was probably even more of a kiss than we just did, but that's, we, that's, that's where we decided to leave it, right? Here's the thing. It, it wasn't just a handshake. It, it culturally, when, when, when you really read about it, there was a deep significance to it. You wouldn't do that to someone that you just kind of knew. You wouldn't do that with an acquaintance. The holy kiss was for, it was the most intimate greeting. And it was for family and friends. And, and so Paul, every time he says, greet one another with a holy kiss, this is what Paul's reminding them of. He's reminding of them that they are family. They're family and that they're called to love one another. It was an expression of unconditional love and commitment. And usually uh, it would accompany the word shalom, peace. Speaking greeting and peace upon the person. It is a, it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. We, we obviously don't do it in the West, but there are still cultures in the East that do it regularly. And it still carries that weight and significance. Here's the significance for us, guys. It simply means this. Let's don't ever forget this. As the body of Christ, we are family. Amen? That's why we call one another brother and sister. It's not just a name tag. We are family, and we are called to love one another unconditionally. We are called to bless one another. We are called to help one another. The one another's in New Testament. There are over 38 one another's carry one another, forgive one another, love one another, strengthen one another, bless one another. Uh, the, the New Testament is littered with one another's. And, and can I say, that's, that's what the world needs to see the body of Christ doing. That's what the world needs to see in the church. Jesus said this. Jesus said, they'll know you're my disciples by your love for one another. Isn't that interesting? That always fascinated me. Jesus doesn't say, they'll know, the world will know that you're my disciples by how much you share the gospel. The world will know you're my disciples by how much you love the world. The, the world will know you're my disciples by, uh, he, he says, oddly enough, the world will know you're my disciples as they see people who love Jesus love one another. And that's what the world needs to see. That's what the world needs to see, that we love one another. Have you ever had this experience? Have you ever met a, a Christian brother or sister that you've never met before? You spent time with them and you immediately felt a better connection to them than you did with your own physical family who don't know the Lord? Have you ever experienced that? Uh, we, we spent time doing mission work in, in Africa and, and we lived, Christy and I lived with a Zulu family. It was all prearranged and we had never met before. 
And so I literally just remember knocking on the door and this, this huge Zulu man answers the door and we just stood there and looked at one another and didn't know what to say. And so I'd learned a little bit of Zulu. I'd learned a little bit of words to greet him, to show respect. And, and so I used uh, my four Zulu words that I'd learned and, uh, and, and he invited us in. And that was on day one. Can I say by the end of our time together, we were brothers and we were closer one another than we were to our own family around the world who don't know Jesus. There is something about Jesus being in me and Jesus being in you that gives us the ability to love one another. Amen. And it is beautiful. By the way, this was right after apartheid had ended. We were in South Africa. We were out in the middle of nowhere and we're, uh, it's night one and we're sitting at the table. It's Christy and I, and then it's, uh, it's the, the, the dad, uh, Maruti's Pastor Maruti and mom, and then uh, Philemon and Muhumutsi and Esther, all their kids, and we're sitting there and no one's talking. And we're just looking, and Christy begins to hit my leg under the table. And I look at her, and Christy's doing her head like that. And so I kind of look that way. It's nighttime, and I look, and as, I, as I, my eyes kind of focus out the windows, I realize all you can see is the white of people's eyes. And, and they are too deep. There's some that are holding others up. And all you can see is the faces of people pressed against the window looking at us. So I finally said, uh, Maruti David, is, is everything okay? He said, well, why do you ask? I said, there's a lot of people out there looking at us. And he said, oh, yeah, they've come from all the villages to see. I said, to see what? He said, to see a black man and a white man have a meal together. Because they never seen it. How were we able to do that? Through the love of Jesus, amen? Because we were brothers. He, he, said, he, he, he said something in Zulu, and I didn't understand it later in the week. I, I said, well, what's that mean? He said, well, it's, it's hard to translate, but it means we're brothers with different mothers. I said, we got that in English. <laughs> uh, listen, as we wait on Jesus' return, we, we want to be letting him sanctify us and make us more like him. As we wait on Jesus' return, we want to be spending time talking to him and listening to him. As, as we wait on Jesus' return, we want to love one another. and We want to be family, right? And then lastly, uh, we see this. As, as they await the return of Jesus, God calls his people to the word. As they await the return of Jesus, God calls his people to the word. Look at verse 27. He says, I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers and sisters. I charge you, I charge you, I, 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 I you know, send you this command before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers and sisters. Now, how that translates to our context is the letter is now part of our Bible, right? And this is what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, the Lord gave me this word, and this is a word from the Lord, and therefore I want the whole church to, to hear this word from the Lord, right? And, and, and I believe that Paul knew when he was writing Scripture. So Paul will even say sometimes in his letters, he'll, he'll almost hit pause and say, okay, this part is from me, not from the Lord. Like Paul was aware of, of what the Lord was doing. And so Paul says, read this letter to the church. And so uh, as we await the return of Jesus. We, we want to be people of holiness. We, we want to be people of prayer, people of love. 
But, but then lastly, he says, as we await the return of Jesus, we want to be people of the word. We want to be people of the word. And, and we want to spend time in this book. Why? Because this is, this is God's means of speaking to us by his spirit through the word. It's, in fact, it's the only guarantee we have of God speaking to us is through this book. Now, does God speak other ways? Of course he does. This is the only one that's guaranteed. And any other way we think he's speaking gets filtered through here, right? It's filtered through here. And, and so he says, be people of the word. But we, we want to be people who spend time in the word, who digest it, who meditate on it, who memorize it, who wrestle with it, who are transformed by it. We want to be people of the book. And so uh, we, we wait on the Lord, but, but we're not waiting in vain and we're working as we wait. We're, we're, we're moving towards a goal as we wait. We're moving towards a goal of being more like Jesus. We're, we're moving towards a goal of praying for one another. We're, we're moving towards a goal of loving one another more and more each day. And then we're moving towards a goal of knowing God more and more through his word. Spend time in it. And don't, don't just read the big names, you know. Read the little names. Hey, you know how embarrassing it would be to get to heaven? I've often thought that. To get to heaven and you bump into Obadiah. And Obadiah says, are you Kenny? Yeah. Are you, are you Obadiah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kenny, did you read my book? What would you think? I'm going to be honest with you, Obadiah, because you can't lie in heaven, so you got to be honest, right? <laughs> I never read your stuff, right? But he's in there, yeah, or Say amen. Some of you are thinking you didn't know that was in the Bible, right? Joel, Ezekiel, some of these guys like that spend time with them. Now, I'll be honest, if I could only have one book of the Bible on, on a deserted island, Obadiah, brother, I love you. I wouldn't have picked yours, but, but it, it's good and valuable and it's in there. Amen. Are you with me? You're stuck on Obadiah. Get off of him for a minute and get back to the book. Get to know it. Get to spend time in it, and you will be transformed. Because here's the thing. The only way I can love Andy Coxpill unconditionally is to be changed by the book. The, the only way I can know how to be holy is to be instructed by the book. The only way I can know to pray is to find the Lord's Prayer, and it's only found in the book. Right? Are you with me? And, and so, thus saith the Lord. So, as we wait, like the church in Thessalonica did, let us be active in our waiting, growing in godliness, praying for one another, loving one another, being people of the book. Amen, church? Amen. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. Lord Jesus, we, we say come, Maranatha, like come quickly, Lord. We, we await your return, Lord, to... To, to see that day when we meet you face to face. And as we saw in chapter 4, when we are reunited with all the saints in glory, all those who have gone before us, the, the dead in Christ will rise first, and we who remain will be transformed in the twinkling of an eye, and we shall go and meet the Lord and be with him forever. Lord, make it happen. We love you, and we, we miss you, and we can't wait to see you face to face. But Lord, in your wisdom and in your sovereignty, it hasn't happened yet. And so that means there's still work to be done. 
It means there's still lives to be changed. There's still people to hear the gospel. There are still churches to be planted. There are still Bibles to be translated. There's much to do in the waiting. And so, Lord Jesus, as we at Oikos await your return, may we be active in our waiting. Lord, would you make us a people who are holy and blameless? And again, we cannot do it in ourselves. And so, uh, Holy Spirit, would you uh, sanctify us through and through Would you sanctify our body, soul, and spirit? Would you make us more like Jesus every day? Lord, might we be people of prayer who intercede for one another, who talk to you about others, who uh, share their lives together in prayer. May we love one another unconditionally. Lord, in our flesh, we are all selfish. We uh, all desire things for ourselves. Lord, would you crucify our flesh that we could love one another the way you love us? And then, Lord, would you make us people of the book? God, would you give us a renewed passion and hunger for your word? Would you do all of these things for your glory and the good of the gospel in Erdington and beyond? We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.